I trust that you all have been blessed in seeing signs of spring around you. How many of you have seen, been impressed with signs of spring around you in the last while? I could probably spend half of the morning's hour recounting many of the wonders of nature that I've observed in recent weeks, but uh, last evening one in particular was a full healthy hatch of four killdeer. Well on their way to to being able to sustain themselves, but they were there still. Uh, I'm not sure how you describe a killdeer. Do they dance? Do they prance? Do they gallop? Do they <laughs> flittering about? And um, and yet, the Lord God has made them all. Also had the privilege of. <clears throat> of again being reminded this spring of a less desirable bird. How many of you all have observed the black vultures? Happened upon a place the last couple of years where they have taken up and used an old house for their nurturing ground of their young. And the other day was there working in the field and Nothing was going on at that house, and I forget one of the grandchildren were with me, but I saw a shadow high in the sky, and pretty soon this vulture came circling in, landed right there on that one lower roof. Didn't seem to be anybody home, but landed there. It wasn't too long. The vulture came down off that lower roof onto the ground there and was holding its wings out in the sun. And then there appeared a younger one that looked quite grown, but definitely not the father and mother part, not the parentage. And it made an attempt to come down off of that roof, and it made it, but it was, uh, it looked a little bit more like a, young boy jumping ramps over a rock pile when the landing was made. You can tell the bird was in the very much learning stage. It was kind of a, a poor landing, but it made it. And then it wandered around there with its caretaker. God's creation, some that look so beautiful, some that we think a little less of, How do I see others around us? You know, sometimes our involvements, our uh, circumstances, we find ourselves interacting in situations that we think, boy, it's mighty good to be through with that or out of that circumstance with that needing to relate to that person. And um, <clears throat> I was challenged in that perhaps in a new way recently, in the fact that as we <clears throat> seek to grow in our understanding of the love of Christ, each and every one of us are made in the image of God. Each and every one of us are made in the image of God. And God has in that called us to 
I believe, love each other just as we hope he loves us, just as we understand him to have loved us. While we were yet sinners, while we were lost in our sins, and even even then the fact that uh, that the best that we can offer is pure wretchedness before him. You may wonder, well, where in the world is Brother Ellis going for a message this morning? Some of you may have heard that there's a little bit of good news on the COVID front. How many of you have heard that? Anybody? We're always glad to hear those things. I invite you to open your songbooks to the hymn Brother Dave led us earlier this morning, number 169, <clears throat> an opening hymn of worship, Jesus where that people meet. And you can peruse a few of those phrases there as, as I, I share, but my message is related more to a closing hymn this morning than an opening hymn. And I say, my message, I want to invite you to Colossians 2, chapter, or chapter 2, verse 2. And one of the challenges that we've been dealing with and working through, and I trust that by God's grace we are victorious in, is not losing our fervor for the Lord or his people or the lost around us. But we read here Paul's burden. I'll begin in verse 1. He says, For I would that you knew that you knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Now we could spend some time just on that verse itself to realize that <clears throat> Paul had a burden for those that had not even seen him, that he had not seen. We could conversely say, could we not? If they hadn't seen him, he hadn't seen them. Is that fair? And yet he was so gripped with what the work of Christ in his own life that he had that burden for them. He says here in verse 2 that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Now that's kind of a wordy verse. But the thought I want to focus on this morning is that comforting and that knitting together in love that we are called to and that I trust you are committed to as part of the body of Christ wherever you find yourself. If you want to turn now to number 607, I believe it is. The hymn, Blessed Be the Tie. Blessed be the tie that binds <clears throat> our hearts in Christian love. One of the things that challenging times do for us is that they cause us to flounder in our lack of focus or they bring into focus what we are reaching toward. 
notice some of the thoughts expressed here in this psalm or this song. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above. Before our Father's throne, we pour our ardent prayers, our fears, our hopes, our aims are one, our comforts and our cares. We share our mutual woes, our mutual burdens bear, and often for each other flows a sympathizing tear. When we asunder part, it gives us keenest pain, but we shall still be joined in heart and hope to meet again. Now, <clears throat> we sing that with, with feeling, do we not, quite often? Being knit together in love, being comforted in the love of God to meet our needs. As we cultivate the the opportunity of fellowship, it infiltrates our lives. It infiltrates our activities. It infiltrates our relationships. But does it permeate them? Does it permeate them? In other words, um, uh, later on I'll go back to this. I want to make reference to it later on. But the group of apostles that Jesus called, did they have a lot in common? You and I have somewhat in common. Now, Brother Luke, he took credit for praying for rain this morning, and I'm so glad he prayed because I prayed too. <laughs> I, I brought it to God's attention as well. <laughs> and so we have some other things in common. But as we think of us as, as dear ones in the faith, What are those things that, that truly bind us together, that truly bless us? Yes, our dependence on God should be one of those things. Um, our dependence on God will be felt differently from, from the farmer to the, to the, oh, whatever we hear, I tech people to the, to the printer, to the curriculum writer, to the, the garage door installer but it still must be there it still must be there and so when we relate because of our commonalities on what basis is it is it truly because of those ties that bind us together in Christ is the thing that I think we need to remind ourselves of um, it is not based on our earthly Connections of friendship and marriage and family, and yet it can be. And, and, and I was, as I pondered this thought, I was impressed with the fact that, you know, COVID and its limitations has caused us to perhaps function a bit more on a family basis at times with the restrictions. We ended up rallying together as families, and that's okay. That's okay. But back to that question I asked this morning how do I see others? Is my preference for others those of my own household? Is my preference for others 
those of which I have other things in common, is my preference for others limited in a way that limits God and his ability to, to work through me in my life. I trust I'm communicating this morning. Because there are truly social, physical ties But I want to look at a few scriptures that help us to think about those ties that bind us. Um, Colossians chapter 3, if you're there at chapter 2, turn over to chapter 3, verse 14. Paul writes, And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Charity, the bond of perfectness. Love not easily broken. Do I have that commitment to love each of you? Equally, unreservedly. And you can ask yourself that question. Love that comes from God, the God of love. Let's turn to 1 John 4. Jesus teaches us that there is no one unworthy of our love. First John 4, beginning verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Can we identify with that publican that smote his chest and cried out for mercy? That cried out that God would bring together that relationship in the Spanish there in that scripture, it uses the word, the, the, the parallel word to propitiation, to make, to bring that, to conciliate, to bring, reconcile that relationship. Do we understand that on our part? Um, is so important for us, and I think, you know, uh, as the thought was reflected in, in the Sunday school hour of the the challenge we face of of keeping a proper perspective ourselves and um, and being able to see each other as all worthy of God's love, not only of His love but of our call to be that love of Christ to them. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us. And then he goes on to say, and we should be willing to lay down our lives for the brethren. That's 1 John 3.16. Don't think I'll take the time due to this, the clock, but in John, the Gospel of John chapter 13, we could spend some time there looking at Christ's example 
of ministering to the disciples. And it says there that he loved them to the end. You see, sometimes that kind of love is, it eludes us, does it not? In that specific need, in that specific environment, in that specific situation, are we always able to reflect that kind of love of Christ? One of the things that bring us together is the blessing of, of loving each other in spite of our individualities, in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of our failures, but that we commit it all to God, the one who can keep those things. One to whom we can cast all our cares upon. The hymn writer uses that phrase in this hymn, the fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above. This bond that ties us together is a bond that involves a unity for which Jesus prayed. And um, I won't take the time to go there, but in the Gospel of John chapter 17, in recent months and times, we've focused some of those verses, but in verses 20 through 23 there, he prays that you and I would be able to do that and accomplish that which he did in his relationship with the Father. That we would have that same unity, that same union of, of spirit. You might think, well, how is that possible? We're so different. We are, aren't we? We're different. But that which brings us all together is that when we are truly and fully committed to only speak the things that the Father gives us to speak as Christ spoke, to only seek to be led of His Spirit by His grace and by His power, then we can begin to show forth the glory of God by His grace, by His power in our relationships. And out of that, there is that blessing of that tie that binds us together. Thinking of how different we are in many respects and yet the scriptures time and time again, and Paul said that in Philippians 2, to fulfill you my joy that ye may be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord of one mind. There's no way that's possible unless we truly just give ourselves to God to work. First Corinthians one one. I'm sorry, first Corinthians one ten raises a, a, a scripture that we can ask ourselves along this line. First Corinthians one ten. I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. When we find ourselves 
not of the same mind. Is it because, what is the reason? What can bring that about? What, what can present that challenge? How can spirit-led people be contentious? Is that a fair question? And yet sometimes we find that feeling of contention in us, don't we? Is it not a reminder that maybe there's something I'm not doing? Seeking? Being led? It's a challenging question for us, dear ones. That tie that seeks to emulate the unity between the Father and the Son. One of the other verses of this hymn that reflect that being knit together and being comforted in love have to do with how we present our needs before God. And um, whether it's petitioning our Father for a need, a physical need, a perspective we have, and yet knowing He is big enough far larger, far greater, far more capable than even us in our limited understandings of life. So we can pray for rain. We can pray for those deeper needs, those greater things that have the potential to rock our life. And yet, commit it to Him and leave it in His hands. We can pretty quickly sing that little song, my God, my God is so great, so strong and so mighty, can't we? We join in with enthusiasm with the children. And yet certain times, our faith is shaken. That, that element that we, stands before us looks almost larger and our God. But here in this hymn it says, Before our Father's throne we pour our ardent prayers. What is an ardent prayer this morning? Is it a haphazard expression? Ardent. It's something that's driven by a need. It's driven by a desire to communicate. It's driven by a desire to to bring to our Father. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Um, Hebrews chapter 4, a number of verses here, 14 and following. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but with, was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Our sympathetic, our God who knows us, 
better than we know ourselves, is able to undertake and to take in hand and to minister to our needs in a very, very uh, deep way. <clears throat> the last part of verse 16 talks about that and find grace to help in time of need. Paul had that confidence in, uh, in Philippians where he wrote, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known of God, unto God. One of the blessings of praying for our needs, committing them to God, acknowledges his place before us as sovereign, as almighty. As the one that can do beyond what we ask or think. But it also helps us to reflect back on that question I asked at the opening of the message. Is how I feel, how I see, how I... As I look about me, what do I see? Praying for one another, praying with one another. Those are ties that bind. You know, and, and I was uh, just reflecting on that. Last weekend we were up at um, Bethel in Belleville. And it doesn't matter where you go that you've met brothers and sisters before. There is that sense of those that you've connected with in faith. And, and it's such a blessing to, to greet them and to realize they are there. Their confidence is still in the Lord. Their confidence is in Him and not in themselves. And they're resting in Him. Yes, life can be a challenge, but it, it is their confidence in the Lord and not in their accomplishments in life. Another phrase that is in this hymn I want to conclude with, the latter part here of, our fears, our hopes, our aims are one, our comforts and our cares. And First uh, Peter, he has a number of scriptures that, that help us to, to reflect on some of the uh, blessings that are ours. First Peter 1, verse 3. You know, sometimes when, when we aren't sure where, how we feel about life, how life is going or not going, what's, what's in it involving my life, I believe it has a way of limiting us in, in testifying of God's working on our behalf. Um, and limiting, limiting us in what we can can feel free to share when we are perhaps wavering between trusting in what we can do to control life and just committing it all to Him. <clears throat> See, I need to back up to First Peter rather. Then Second Peter. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our hope, our 
waiting on the Lord is, is a living exercise. It is not a dead activity. Um, we need to remember that. And it, it changes completely our perspectives on that which could cause fear, that which could um, go against what we were hoping for. That which we are seeking to attain, our aims, he says, our aims are one, our comforts and our cares. Are you convinced in your life that regardless of what happens in your life, God's way is best? There is great peace comes in knowing that. I know the other, a few years ago, <clears throat> some of you may vaguely remember it, but there was um, that morning I left to take a tractor over here to machine shop close by and I had a piece of metal off the back of the tractor hook hanging on the front. And as I started out from the road down there and just gotten up to road speed, that piece of metal became dislodged from where I thought it was so securely hanging. And I ran over it with that tractor and it was a great surprise to me, let's just say it that way. And our minds are marvelous things because in a matter of just a few seconds, it's amazing what one can thought, the thoughts one can process when adrenaline kicks in. But, you know, as I was heading for that bank, that ditch and that bank, I had a perception of what the outcome would likely be. And it looked like, at, at a minimum, some hospital time. Significant hospital time. But you know what was so precious to me was the fact that I didn't know why God was bringing that into my experience at that time. But it was okay. My question was, God, what do you what do you have in this? What what's your plan? It ended up I got out with with minor cuts. It didn't turn out the way I had thought. But it impressed upon me that in life in general, that which draws us together is when we are fully convinced of his care and his love and his purpose in our lives. In closing, I'd like to look at an example in the early church in Acts chapter 2 where we have there exemplified in vivid record of those that were a part of that tie that binds Acts chapter 2, verses 41. 
And this seems, reading this, it seems just perhaps we can kind of take it and say, well, this is just a part of what happened. But this was a deep undertaking in their lives. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were about were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Then over in verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. What are you and I experiencing in those things that are part of that blessing of the tie that binds us together in the Lord? It is a beautiful hymn. It's one that inspires us. But it only inspires us because of having come to the foot of the cross and to know where our faith and our confidence is in Christ Jesus. May we find that day by day and in the challenging times in which we live today. May it guide our life. May it guide our expression. May it guide our praise for his glory.